Football is back as the Bills return to training camp for the 2023-2024 season, and we're going to talk about some things that we've seen in the first week of training camp on this week's episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts, Justin Goddard and Andrew Chang. Bills Mafia, welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Buffalo Fanbase Podcast Network. My name is Justin. I will be your host today, and we did it. We made it all the way back to training camp. It seems like, you know, we get to this time of the year, and it seems like, you know, kind of football never stopped as we jump back into it. And, you know, realistically, it, it never really does stop. There's, there's a couple periods where we have like two three week lulls but there's always something going on in the nfl um little bit extra lulls if you only follow you know just the bills um but it feels good to be on the cusp of another season um with this great talented roster and i just want to get right into it this week talking about um some of the things that we've seen out of training camp so far um I had on the docket for this week my 53-man roster projection, um, but I, I I was putting it together like two days ago, three days ago, and by the time I start looking at it again, um, the Naheem Hines injury happened, um, Jay Sternberger got added, uh, Darrington Evans comes in to replace Naheem Hines, um, so there's going to be you know a lot of tinkering going on with the roster i'm gonna put that off to just a couple weeks down the road as we see some of these um camp battles work out maybe as we get into uh a couple preseason games and um with with the nfl doing the full roster cutdowns, you know all at once versus the progressive um i think it kind of behooves us to put that off a little bit anyways we're really you know giving people some time to to put some uh good practices out there um so now i haven't been to any of the the training camps uh practices at fisher yet myself um hopefully can make it out to one or two um but this is this is one thing that i struggle <laughs> struggle with with a team that actually has aspirations and success um i remember you know, even when I lived out in Buffalo, driving out here, and now I live in Rochester, and you know, Fisher's probably a 10 15 minute drive for me, and just how fast the tickets go. And you know, I, I've seen them reselling for 100, 200 bucks, all that, and it just complicates the process a little bit. I, I love the atmosphere and everything, but that was one of the things I always really looked forward to as we had you know these crappy teams is that you know i could i could go and see the players and we were nowhere near capacity and you know get autographs from players it it was really cool not that it's you know not cool now it's just another layer to it makes it more challenging um but at any rate want to talk about um some things that i've been seeing and hearing from a lot of the people that i follow some of the beat reporters um, just observations and, and what I take away from it myself. Um, first and foremost, I want to say Demar Hamlin out there 
not being listed as limited or anything. Um, he's out there running with the twos, full participant, and from where we were like less than six months ago to where we are now, um, just an incredible story, incredible journey, and uh, to see him get back out there and and just all the love and support that he has. If it was me in his shoes, I don't know if I'm in the same situation. I I might be stepping away from football, um, but just shows the the passion and the love for the game he has, the love for his team. Um, so awesome to see him get back out there, and you know, hopefully he can build on what he started putting together um, last season. Definitely had some flashes, and um, hopefully with the with the health of Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, the addition of Taylor Rapp. He's able to kind of come along more at his speed, and hopefully we don't need any giant contributions from him. Um, but yeah, really cool to see him back out there, and most importantly, being a full participant, no limitations. Um, I want to talk about some of the interesting position battles um, that I've been looking forward to in, in this camp, and... I'll start with right tackle, um, where we have Spencer Brown, and you know it. It was a talking point for a lot of Bills Mafia that you know we can have faith in in uh, Spencer Brown, but the Bills weren't really doing any, anything to you know bring in meaningful competition for him. Um, and right on the cusp of training camp, they they bring in Brandon Shell. And seemingly that was, you know, going to be his competition. And through the first few days of practice thus far, it's been Spencer Brown getting all the reps. Um, so I, I'm kind of seeing this as Shell was brought in, you know, as an emergency policy. Uh, I'm sorry, an insurance policy. They still fully want that job to go to Spencer Brown and... Um, I think going into his third year, you know, coming into the league, two really wacky off seasons with COVID and then um, last year having a back surgery, I think they're kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt here. And for me, I still think there's a good chance Spencer Brown pans out and uh, I'm, I'm willing to give him a little extra time um, to see if he can put it all together because if he's able to, um, the the athleticism and at his size, uh, the the ceiling on on that guy is the roof, as they say. Um, so really hoping that works out. I also want to throw in there. I meant to say this before we started. Um, thus far, there's still been no pads. Um, so kind of a little bit of a grain of salt to some of these observations. Things do change when the pads come on. Um, the physicality getting kicked up a notch and all that. Um, we also saw on day three, um, Osiris Torrance start, starting to get some run with the ones. Um, I'm kind of in a spot where I would be surprised if he starts off the season as as the starting as one of the starting guards. Um, really like the the long term potential of him as a player. Um, love the value that we got in him as a draft pick, but I, I think with the group of guys that we have, um, between Bates and McGovern, I'm not going to be upset if he's 
not a day one starter. Let him get into the building. Let him learn the ropes a little bit. Um, but they are giving him some opportunities. And I'm also not going to be mad if our primary backup to pretty much every position on the, on the line is Ryan Bates. Um, he's a dude that's shown he's good enough to start um, for this team. You know, maybe not the greatest starter that we've had on that line, um, but good enough to be in there starting. So if that's our primary backup, um, we've seen so many times where a player goes down with an injury on this offensive line, and then it, it's never a one-for-one -one swap. It's the, well, this guy's got a kick to center, so now we're going to kick him over to guard. And it's always like, you know, one guy goes down and we have three, four moving pieces, and it's players playing in different positions and i would honestly really love to see torrance be able to secure that job and have bates be um the primary backup but i'm uh i'm not sure that they're gonna kind of rush that process along i think they're happy with what they have in bates and that's gonna be on torrance to win that job um another battle that's been kind of interesting and this isn't one that was even on my radar um but i guess kind of the d dn2 position um it seems like epinesa is kind of doing a lot of rotating out with um leonard floyd with the ones um i kind of figured you know signing floyd that this was day one our starting dns are going to be Groot and Floyd and that's going to hold it down until Vaughn gets back. We have our depth rotation to to sort out there between Boogie and Epinesa and Shaq. Um, it seems like Epinesa is making some noise in the beginning of camp um, and I guess maybe I shouldn't be all that surprised. You know Epinesa ended up putting together a sneaky pretty good season last year Um I think he, there's a lot to work on from a consistency standpoint for him. I mean, but he did end the season with six and a half sacks. And I think that was, you know, third best on the team behind Groot and Vaughn. I could be wrong there, but um, from a player that's really kind of been coming along slowly, I guess maybe I shouldn't be that surprised there, but defensive end is definitely a, a spot where I would be pleasantly surprised if we have uh, an overwhelming amount of talent that we have to figure out how to sort out how we're going to rotate them and whatnot um, between what we saw from Groot last year um, what we've seen with Floyd on different in a different uh, organization over the past three years averaging 10 yard uh, 10 sacks per year um, Von Miller the consistent play of Shaq Lawson. Um, it's just a position that we seem to have struggled with, with for so long um, that kind of hearing Epinesa is, is overperforming for what I was expecting is probably the most welcome news that I've heard out of camp so far other than hasn't been much on the injury front. Knock on wood. Um, great seeing... Diggs and Allen out there hooking up on some deep balls looking like they they've never skipped a beat um Diggs coming out and talking to the media kind of putting all all that offseason stuff to rest of 
you know, saying he wants to retire with the Bills. Um, Josh Allen's his guy. He loves that dude. Um, pretty much every narrative that was created about why Diggs was mad, um, why he was upset, why he was missing camp or OTAs and all that. Um, he pretty much had a 20 minute press conference and, and just put all that to bed. And really from what I can take away from it is at, at the end of the day, he is a super competitive guy. Um, I liked what he said about, you know, he's looking at his career and he's got more years behind him than he has ahead of him. This is a super competitive guy. One of the elite players at his position in the league and he wants to get a Super Bowl win before he retires. Um, and I can understand his his feeling and his frustration of having a team that you think is good enough to get it done. And, you know, obviously he's not wrong there. The Bills were damn near unanimously picked to win the Super Bowl last year and weren't able to get it done. And not only that, lost in like a dramatically bad fashion. Uh, I know there's a lot that went into last season. Um but from that standpoint, can understand where he's coming from, where the frustration come from, comes from. I still kind of have my uh, concerns about, you know, why this was ad- addressed as we're going into the start of the next season and not, you know, kind of like team meeting or something a couple weeks after the season ended. Um, so I, I may not always necessarily agree with, uh, Stefan Diggs's approach to how the whole situation was handled. Um, but I can't disagree with why he's feeling that way. And honestly, maybe it's kind of a little a little spark under everybody's behinds and, and a little bit of a lift that they the team needs to, to get over that hump. Um, sticking with the weapons, hearing some great things about Gabe Davis. Um, lost a little weight. Looks like he's um, playing a little bit quicker, able to get separation faster. And that's one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this podcast this offseason. I think we're all pretty big fans of, of Gabe Davis over here. Um, love his work ethic, love his blocking, love everything we hear about Gabe Davis from the organization. Um, and one of my main points with Gabe Davis was I I don't think he is necessarily a bad number two receiver. I think um, kind of the organization and injuries and circumstances kind of set him up to be in a weird position that for what his skill set is, yes, we needed more out of him, but also we needed other players and roles so we didn't have to expect more out of him. so I, one of the limitations that I, I talked about was some of the short to intermediate stuff. Um, he doesn't quite get the separation fast enough to um, be a big weapon in those spots. And now I don't think he's going to completely change who he is as a player um, in one offseason, all of a sudden be that dude. Um, but if he can do it in a bigger capacity, um, mixed in with the other skill sets, I think we're going to see an absolutely monster season from Gabe Davis. It's part of why I'm on the extend Gabe Davis train right now. Um, get him for as cheap as you can. 
I think if he goes to another team, we might not see him really blow up the way that he has the chance to blow up here, but I think that's a dude that you can pay and he can have sustained success here with the right pieces involved as well. Um, so I think they've kind of done that this year with bringing in Hardy, with bringing in Kincaid, um, looking for uh, Shakir to take a step. I think the, the infrastructure is in place for Gabe Davis to have a monster year. Um, and speaking of Dalton Kincaid, absolutely love all the messaging that I'm hearing coming out about him right now there there's no coach speak about like you know oh we're letting him get his feet wet uh we'll see he's gonna have to earn it everything that is coming out of the bills organization right now from the players all the way to the coaches gm everything has been glowing so far and i'll i'll put the 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 asterisk on it again of there's no pads um you know, limited contact, nice, easy, light training camp workouts. Um, but from what I've seen and everything that I've heard out of him, um, this is feeling like one of the steals of the draft to me. And I'm trying not to get myself too too hyped up, get too far onto the hype train. I, I want to see it happen on the field in actual games. Um, but I... I haven't heard, you know, messaging coming out from the organization on a player like this in quite some time. Um, it's usually, you know, he's young, he's going to have to earn it. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. He had a good day today. Got to put him together, all that. I, I haven't heard like one kind of coach speak thing about Dalton Kincaid so far. Um, so hopefully he is absolutely the stud that it's, he's being described as um so really excited to see more from him i'm gonna take a quick break and when i come back and talk about a couple more of the position battles um so stick around hey this is dick degroat bill's dad now back to the show welcome back in and thank you again for joining me on this week's episode of the wandering buffalo podcast uh if you've made it this far um please do us a favor like share subscribe tell a friend uh, follow us on the socials. Any little thing you can do really helps us out to to keep this thing going. So uh, appreciate you being here. Appreciate the support. Want to talk about a couple more um, interesting battles. Um, these ones were the last two I'm going to wrap up with here are kind of the two that I was looking forward to. I guess I want to say the most there. There's like the most uncertain uncertainty for me here. Um, I'd say wide receivers, like my favorite position battle going on, because I think they've accumulated so much talent. And if I lump Dalton Kincaid in there, um, and Dawson Knox, there's just so many potential weapons. Um, I'm curious to see how that works, what the formations look like, what, how they cap, how Dorsey capitalizes on all this talent that he has. Um, but what I'm really interested in seeing from like my question mark standpoint of like not really sure who's going to be the starter, um, that's got to be middle linebacker and and cornerback too. And um, so it started out Tyrell Dotson was you know getting the first team reps and a lot of positives 
positive messaging coming out about you know him being a dog him being a ball player all that and Terrell Bernard got some work in there and then day three we're hearing very kind of similar messaging with Bale Inspector who you know he was on my radar for this job and pretty much anybody that plays linebacker right now has to be on the radar just because nobody really has a lot of starting experience nobody has like a super high draft pedigree um two of two of the linebackers are third round picks i wasn't expecting bail inspector to to come out of the woodwork this early and kind of start making a name for himself um seventh round pick a year ago didn't really get much action outside of special teams last year and sounds like he put some put together a couple of really good practices um he was had the green dot on during practice and um you're hearing from jordan poyer about you know what a great communicator he was um how great he was running defense out there and that is something that we know sean mcdermott really values in that position um he's talked about you know the possibility of the green got green dot going to somebody else on the defense but how much he prefers it to to be that mike linebacker um so keep an eye out on bail inspector it sounds like he's making some noise um kind of stock down on dorian williams as far as that starting position goes as of now um sounds like you know he he's working more towards being uh backup for matt milano right now which it gels with what we first heard from the organization after the draft and then they kind of pivoted to yeah he's going to get a chance out in, in the middle too um like I said, we're, we're in the first week of training camp. There's a ton of football to be played before the season starts. A um, ton of changes that could happen. Um, but to me, I, I, I have it already narrowing down to a three-man race. I've kind of taken Dorian Williams out of it for the time being. Um, and it's kind of Dodson, Bernard, and Spectre. And Spectre has taken a giant leap that I wasn't expecting. Um, particularly this early in the game. Uh, and then the cornerback two position. Uh, this is one that's probably going to make some people unhappy. Um, but as of right now, it's looking like Stain Jackson's job to lose. Um, which, you know, I, I kind of put the positive spin on it as... You know, we've seen Dane Jackson be an adequate starter. Um, we've seen him be good at times. Um, kind of that, that I hate just comparing him to Levi Wallace, but his ability to come in as a late round pick and do the job exactly how they wanted him to do it. And, you know, he's never going to be the freakiest athlete out there. He's never going to be the most electric player, um, but they love how, he's always where he's supposed to be and you know trusting him to to get the job done um we've also seen benford get some run elam has also gotten some snaps there um i don't i just don't know what to make of the elam situation still and i i just feel like he ended last season on such a high note and even when 
even to say like I, I didn't really see bad games from Elam last year. I think he had one against Pittsburgh where he was kind of getting big boyed an awful lot, but that was still pretty early on for him. Um, I thought he had a couple really good playoff games um, against really good receivers too, and in um, the Bengals and the Dolphins, just really top notch receivers. Um, so I was really pleased with how he ended the season and I was kind of looking forward to kind of just starting this training camp with Elam being the starter, um, you know, Benford and Jackson being really great depth players, um, kind of like this embarrassment of riches, but we got two first round picks on, on the boundaries and, um, hopefully they stay healthy and we got good depth behind him. Um, so this early in the game, I, I don't know if I should make this out as like an indictment against Elam or, you know, if it's really showing what Dane Jackson and Benford are doing out there that they're being able to keep a first round pick off the field a little bit. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, for the time being, at least I'm going to look at this in a positive light of. With how pleased I was with Elam's play last year, um, the fact that they're still comfortable looking at Dane Jackson, at least from the rip here, um, and then the play that we saw from Benford last year, you know, uh, I believe he was six-round pick, um, just kind of outperforming that draft stock, and we've seen that time and time again um, with these McDermott teams. Uh, Levi Wallace being undrafted, Dane Jackson, a seventh round pick, Benford, a sixth round pick, um, Taron Johnson, I believe, fourth round pick. Um, even when you go into Jordan Poyer, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, these dudes were like castoffs from other teams that kind of got a second chance with Buffalo. Um, McDermott really being able to coach up the secondary. Um, so I'm, I'm still very hopeful that we get to week one and they're able to coach Elam up to the point where they're very comfortable with him being that CB2. And then you get that comfort level that they have with a Dane Jackson in a player such as Elam that also has, you know, that man coverage ability, that um, just different level speed and, and kind of create it all into one package. And if that turns out anything like I think it can turn out having Trey White and Kyrie Elam out there together is just going to be an absolutely lights out um, pair of cornerbacks. And then you factor that in with Taron Johnson, who's been one of the low key best players on this team over the last couple seasons. And then your two just superstar um, safeties back there. I think this could easily set up to be uh, one of the best secondaries in the league. And you know, I'm going to hold out hope for that now, but that is definitely the position that I have my eyeballs on the most. Um, like I said, respect Dane Jackson. Um, appreciate what he is, you know, able to do pretty, con like being pretty good, pretty consistency, uh, consistently. Um, but especially with the messaging coming out, Micah Hyde saying today that like, he can tell in practice that McDermott wants to be more aggressive on defense. Um, for me, Dane Jackson's kind of the safe play there. Um, you know, safe guy. 
if we're going more aggressive, we're, you know, D-line's really going to be pinning their ears back. We're going to get after it. We're going to, you know, take more chances than the bend but don't break defense that we saw. Maybe have a little bit more of a a variance on defense, but have a more opportunistic defense that's going to get more takeaways, that's going to get more um, possibility of big plays, interceptions, fumbles, things like that. I think if you're going to kind of dial up the aggressiveness, Elam is the guy I want out there because of his athletic traits. Um, So like I said, early, early in camp, pads aren't on yet. We'll see what happens as we move forward in the next couple weeks. But as of right now, just super excited that football's back. You know, I, I check all my sports apps and I'm getting, you know, actual football updates instead of, you know, off-season rumors and all this, all this stuff. So very excited to be on the cusp of another season. Um, that's going to wrap it up tonight. Stick with us. Um, we're going to be dropping every Monday. So... Um, next Monday, we'll have a little bit more training camp information. We'll probably have the pads coming on. Um, and that's where we really get to see things dialing up a, a, a bit. So uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And we will talk to you next week. Go Bills. Go Bills.